in what direction are Dundalk going? It's hard to know. With so much talk about them seeking a new investor and a sluggish approach in the transfer window, it does throw up the question. What Dundalk will we see this season? The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the Brandywell looks like it's going to get a makeover. A cloud is starting to hang over Oriel Park. And could we see a second club in Limerick? My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle as always. And Nathan, it's a, a busy, busy week behind the scenes. It does be busy in January. And we're going to start with Dundalk because the question was, what Dundalk are we going to see this season? It's... It's thrown up in the air, really, isn't it? Well, there's probably been no club busier than Dundalk in the past week or so, Roy. Before we jump in, um, sad news about the passing of Joe Martin, Dundalk Absolutely, legend, yes. 91 years of age. Um, then we also seen Brian Gartland being appointed the head of football opera- operations at Dundalk. So that was that was that kicked us off with a busy weekend. I started the week. Great to see Brian obviously back into a club that means so much from um, so soon after his retirement. But uh, just to come in, what was there? There was rumoured infighting, rumoured uh, rumored sale of the club, rumoured new investors. So, look, what, what sort of we know is that um started this interview, I said information is coming off um, in Irish Independent interview, which was done by the chairman, uh, Sean O'Connor. Mm. Uh, so, Sean denied that the club was up for sale um, and said that Stats, uh, Stats Sports, the, the company that he's a co-founder of, uh, aren't going anywhere in terms of the ownership of Oriel Park. So this comes from Roy. Uh, local reports claim that the club are being offered up to other championship clubs. I think Hull City were one of the clubs that, that were cited as, as a potential investor. Um, but yeah, as he says in this Irish independent interview, that uh, that open to investors coming in, uh, that talks have taken place. That might not calm any rumour of, you know, who approached who, uh, like, at the club really for sale, or just looking for more of an injection of cash. And to probably add a bit of smoke to this fire, I was, don't know if you've seen it, mate, I was reading an article uh, by James Rogers, uh, I think it was on the Dundalk Democrat, but uh, he does a lot of stuff with their local work uh, in Dundalk. We would have cited James a couple of times for yeah, so a num- number of, yeah, probably too he's many a, times. He's a reliable source, though, isn't he? Extremely, extremely reliable. So um, he was talking about, he, he penned a column last week, and it was about um, the that Dundalk were effectively for sale so he, he, we went into his reasoning and his opinions and that's what it is right it was james opinions of why he feels that uh dundalk are for sale and there was there was a couple of questions that he brought up in a follow-up article which i read uh during the week and it was um like is it normal for organizations who aren't for sale to seek assurances um if they aren't uh, considering partial share of power things like if you see, and another way i actually enjoy that if you see a neighbor seeking valuation is it fair to assume that they're selling up so a couple of questions that james has brought forward to a potential um sale of dundalk uh, as what we do know nathan listen we know every club is up for sale 
that's the way football is. If there's enough yeah. money on the table, that club is up for sale, even if they haven't put them up for sale. So if you look at Shamrock Rovers, someone must come in and purchase Shamrock Rovers. Do you think Do you think if it's a good offer that they're not going to take it? Yeah, of course they will. They know yeah. very well they will. So Dundalk at the moment, listen, they, they've had a few new signings this week, but before that, there was no activity yeah. at all. And, and that's nearly a sign to say, well, we're not too sure what way our finances here. We're going to have to have a look. They can't compete with Derry. They can't compete with Shamrock Rovers in the signings of the big players in Ireland. So they're going abroad now again, as they did before. And we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for them, because as long as they don't go overkill, it could be a good thing for them. How do you see those signings as well? Yeah, look, I think um, it was definitely a frustrating start for them, wasn't it? It was really quiet on that Western front. But I think the the, the four lads coming in, seeing uh, Louis uh, Ainsley, Conor Mallon, Hayden Muller and Cameron Elliott uh, all coming in as new recruits over the past week or so. Again, Stephen O'Donnell has said in interviews that uh, there's three or four more uh, signings on the way that he'd like to get over the line before the start of the season. So I think that might sort of put any um, cash crisis um talk to bed that, that they have gone out and like you said they, they might have used the foreign market rather than the internal market i've been critical of that in the past roy i was critical of that when dundalk went down that route very heavily was it the 2020-21 season yeah. one or two years it went really heavily i just don't think there's a dna and a blueprint of that in, of for success in the league and you just have to look at the top two sides in the in, in the league at the moment shamrock rovers and um and just dairy, not, just not you, a heavy influx, Nate. Not you a know, heavy. No. If, you're, if, no. It's, if there's a sprinkle of it, that's fine because then that, that's giving you something a little bit different. But we, as we've seen with that season, it, it just it, it was an overload. It's trying to get lads in for the right reasons too, isn't it? It's not just seeing this league as a stepping stone or you're just coming in on six month loans and things like that, which are just serve no purpose whatsoever. Right? Again, look, we, we've seen. With these four new signings, Robbie Benson has come in on a New Year deal. We talked last week, Pat Hoban, Nathan Shepard, uh, Andy Boyle, Darren Lee, Alfie Lewis, Ryan O'Kane, things like this. These lads are all on contracts in 2024, so that's not going to be an issue. They're going to be here for at least another year. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I always am really, really critical, really sceptical of going too heavy into the foreign market. We're seeing that there's a lot of there's even ourselves now are saying Pats. There's we got got an Estonian player in the Estonian market this year as well. I don't know uh, if someone's just playing football manager with floor of talent flat out, but it seems to be really getting a uh, getting drilled into heavily. But yeah, it, it's a market that would always be that if you go into too much, it would just I wouldn't be overly keen about it. No, no. So you're overlooking on the 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 sale of the club. Do you feel that this is something? Uh, just because of the evidence or the articles and the rumours that it, again no no fire without the or no fire without smoke because or no smoke without the fire one of them one of them don't quote me on that one uh, <laughs> but it, it it seems likely that that's the case I think the best way to, to probably just sum it up, sum it up right, and it's talking uh, again going back to this James uh, Roger uh, column that he penned and the, the last line I thought was really good it was um Simply watch this space, regardless of any recent denials. So, some of there in James, as we said, very reliable, knows the club really well. There seems to be um, no smoke without fire, no fire without smoke, whatever we want to say, <laughs> with this uh, flip flop on our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> um, if they don't get that investment, though, Nathan, 
that's where it, you could see a bit of trouble because if it's a case that other teams are getting invested uh, investment around the, the league and you look at even the likes of Drogheda who are looking for uh, investors, you could see that the, the, the club sort of slip away because I think they reckon that they made a loss over last year and, yeah. and the, uh, the previous years, obviously when there was European and stuff like that, they had made, you know, a million here and a couple of hundred thousand there. They can't keep going along the lines of, and I think they, they, they sold, did they sell something? Or the club, the owners of the Peak Six, didn't they wipe off a loan or, or, or debt that they yeah, had there and that, yeah. something like 1.6 million or something like that. So they would have been in big debt. So they can't go down this route of, you know, signing heavy on players or anything like that. So you could see Dundalk drift away if they don't get the investment because the league is starting to rise in in the way that it's doing its business professionally, got uh, long term, longer term contracts. So it, it could be very easy for Dundalk to just slip away and maybe be a Cork C. Like we said, look, there's a couple of lads there on contracts in 2024, but while I'm sure we will pen down official predictions for both divisions in the next couple of weeks, I think we will see Shamrock Rovers and Derry City really drift, drift around the top two just with the investment that he had. Like, you look at the Dundalks and the Pats that would have been around them last year, they seem to have uh, taken a bit of a backward step in terms of recruitment, and that all comes down to the cash injections that are being put into these clubs. So, yeah, it, it definitely is when you have two sides so heavily invested at the top of the table. That's always the worry, isn't it? That it's going to become a, a two-horse race for the next next 10 years or so. And absolutely, when you look at Ordeal Park, I mean, there's there's been people who have come in, obviously uh, Galway, they're locals, Derry, local. Shamrock Rovers obviously have done it in a different type of way. Yeah. Unless there's a local around there, who's going to come in and buy Ordeal Park again after looking at peak six? Because Ordeal Park is... Let's just face it; it's, it's not up to standards. They 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 don't own it. Uh, the all weather need a whole new stadium. So yeah, there's, there's a big job there ahead. Massive, absolutely massive. And like we're going to we'll get into the brandy well in a couple of minutes, but uh, that only got a facelift not too long ago. But Oriel Park needs to be complete. It's 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 one of the worst grounds across the do country. Do they need across, to move across, over altogether, Nathan? Do you think? I don't think so. I think the location of it, even within Dundalk, uh, isn't too bad. But it is, and that's the issue, though, isn't it? When you don't own the ground, you're sort of going off uh, as a as an anchor tenant. You're just going off the whims of the actual owner. I know just the the the, the family that owns uh, Oriel Park have been long time owners. It never seems to be a shift in that. As yeah. you mentioned, Peak Six really looked into that. It got that bad. Peak Six were even looking into going into Aviva Stadium, which was absolutely mental news uh, yeah. to cover at the time. So, no, I, I think it's a it's a nice plot that you have at the moment. But, but yeah, can they a lot, build, of, a lot can of elements. They, can they build and can they add to it? Can they do as they wish with it? Have they? How long? How long is the lease? Um, like if they had something like Tala Stadium, where they worked with the councils and had it as a, a multifunctional stadium maybe that would work better than than being stuck in, in the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, it might be. And that's, again, just a tip on the, the Brandywell one for, for um, where we get into it in a minute. It's, uh, it's a question that got brought up with the Brandywell now with us, uh, there's a bit of pushback on certain things from the council and people are saying, oh, can we not just, just move out? We have the money there now with Philip O'Dotterick. Can we not move out and get a, get a new building ourselves? But 
while we're very quick to George, I think there's a lot to be said for the route that, that they go down with the, the council grounds. You see that with Sean McRowers, and we'll see that with Derry City in the Brandywelt, two of the better stadiums across both divisions where Oriel Park are trying to dream, jump through hoops of actually buying the ground, buying the land, and then the investment that will have to go into Oriel, mate, is it'd be eye-watering amounts of money. Uh, they're closed in on the left-hand side of the main road, but again, I know there's land around it, but it, it might not be on. I, I can't say I'm too sure about the ownership of the land around Oriel Park in terms mm. of expansion and, you know, upgrading the stands and things like that. Yeah. Um, they have a couple of years ahead of them now that are going to be uh, big, I think, for the club and, and they're going to have to get their heads down and work really hard if they want to, 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 to join the t- the other teams who, who financially, obviously, are that little bit more successful or, or lucky, I suppose. And you know what? Like uh, when Statsport and the new ownership came in, they, they, like, credit to them, they, they've actually haven't like, done a bad job since they went into Dundalk. Yeah, yeah agree. The, 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 the business acumen away from football speaks for itself, you know, where with Statsport, it's, it's, it's blown up massively. So as businessmen, they, they obviously they, they know what they're doing, but it's. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy things. I thought we would have been looking at Dundalk being a consistent side, you know, being like you know pushing in that whole position right behind the uh, uh, Rovers and Derry. So I was, I was surprised to hear these rumours coming out that uh, maybe all isn't rosy in the garden up at Oriel Park. Absolutely. Um, last week we were talking about Kerry and uh, Mount Hawk and how the pitch looked I was saying that it didn't look like it was even a, a first generation pitch and was kind of worried about what way that pitch was down there and then I said yeah do you know what they, they should have you can see like you should have something like Derry City has up there two seconds later news comes through Derry City's pitch is not good enough anymore from there we today. haven't a fucking clue do we <laughs> both of us the two of us was like I, you were praised it I was like yeah it's, it's actually it's not too bad it's, it's one of the better uh, 3D pitches that I've seen no apparently not so this comes out um News about that the FBI advised Derry City that the 3D pitch is uh, unlikely to be fit for purpose beyond the 2023 season. Uh, so we get into, I suppose, the pitch, and there's more news about Derry, uh, the, the Brandywell Stadium in terms of a stand getting done up. A lot of this comes from reports released by Derry City and the uh, Straban, 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 sorry for the Straban, Straban District Council uh, revealed concerns about the uh, the, the, the 3D Astro in terms of there's an in, increase of injury numbers uh, since it got put down in 2018. Now, the pitch obviously is tested annually. Uh, the, the current valid certification is there until the 20th of April. But um, most recent tests report that it's shown real signs of wear and tear. So, yeah, that pitch that we said was brilliant last week, Roy, apparently it's, just, it's not going to be fit for purpose after, well, listen, uh, after this for... season. If you're playing Leinster Senior League or you're playing any sort of league football, it's, a, it's probably a great pitch, you know. But when you're playing in professional leagues and you you wait for standards, there is a certain standard. Although, be it, there is certain standards that you have to meet uh, that are quite high um, in lower league football as well. So uh, you you can't just uh, you can't just abandon it. You do have to look after these pitches. So and they're getting good wear. I said there's a lot of wear and tear and a lot of play up on that pitch up there. So well, yeah. Listen, they have to get changed at some stage anyhow. So it's just it's just that sort of rotation. They need an evolution of a pitch. They just need to uh, step it up to the next one, I suppose. 
Well, there's no surprise or a worry, worry because apparently the pitch is being used up to 25 hours per week. It brings in uh, over 80,000 uh, 80, uh, pounds per annum for the council. The likes of Derry, obviously the Derry men's team, uh, the Derry women's team, the Derry youth team, um, Institute who played a football in the NOFL championship. They all play or train on the pitch. Um, so yeah, it gets a lot of usage uh, throughout a week. So Derry have now made a case to revert back to grass or to have uh, a hybrid surface, which again I'm not a massive fan of. I just went back to a grass pitch. Um, so yeah, this, the, the this hybrid might be bad though because you see, like Croke Park is kind of hybrid. They do have little bits of plastic grass around the place, and that's just kind of. I, I wouldn't be. Too, I wouldn't be too bad on that. I'd be better than than the all weather. But again, as we had said, yeah. like there are certain places. Up the north, the west, and uh, you know the extreme west, whether it's south or north, get a battering from rain constantly. So um, listen, who are we to say what they need to have? And uh, we we'd be given out when the pitches are full of muck and crap, you know. So yeah, listen. Uh, anyhow, they need a new pitch one way or the other. Okay, <laughs> yeah, similarly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Limerick City or Limerick FC, or Limerick United, or Limerick, what is it going to be? Because there's talk of a second Limerick team, and I suppose it comes off the back of Limerick FC uh, introducing two junior sides, or younger sides, into the underage leagues. Yeah, so, obviously our story begins about three years ago, uh, when Limerick FC dropped out of the league. We all know the story now. Limerick FC dropped out of the league, Treat United came in 2020, and, safe to say, they haven't done too bad, right? Haven't they? No, they uh, Coming into the third season now, they, they, are they looking to get uh, the third's uh, consecutive playoff position, which would be absolutely brilliant for them. But um, a lot of this recent Limerick FC news kicked off back in October with a Twitter statement um, talked about Limerick FC's intention to withdraw from the national underage leagues. They talked about a lack of local unity around uh, at League of Ireland level. Could be a little posh shot of Treaty United. I don't know. We're going to stir the pot a little bit. Um, but last week, um, they, they, they rise from the ashes and uh, backtracked and it's announced that they'd be entering um, a League of Ireland under 15s and under 17s male squad into the, uh, the the national underage leagues. And apparently, the, the demand for the open trials for both has been absolutely huge, been brilliant, which it's all great to see because even though Limerick FC left the League of Ireland at senior level to just complete incompetence from running the club. They never went anywhere in terms of their junior football and they've always yeah. been here. So I saw a bit of the question where now we're not jumping the gun and saying because they're entering under fifteens and under seventeens league they're going to be back in senior football next year. But there's obviously still an appetite for Limerick going off their statements to to build themselves back up to League of Ireland level. So is there is Limerick big enough? It's a big city. But it's big enough for two senior League of Ireland teams. What do you reckon? No. That's my honest answer. I don't think so. Uh, to have... Oh, they can have two teams. No one's stopping them from having two teams, you know. And I say that the League of Ireland and the FAI would welcome uh, the team back. But if you want to have successful teams uh, that are going to build and dominate an area and to help the league progress up, you know, uh, in a professional manner. I don't think you can have them two teams in there. People say, oh, look at Cork and t- Cork's, you know, it's it's slightly different. And you can see the Cove struggle in the shadows of Cork City. And I just, I just think that there should be a focus on one club in Limerick that the whole 
county can get behind. Um, now, that could have been Limerick FC. They buckled under the pressure. Treaty have stepped in. And I just think that Treaty would be, you know... Listen, if Limerick FC stepped in and had some billionaire who stepped in, all of a sudden they dominate and, and that's it. It's all over. Game over. But having two clubs in there, doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me if I was down there because I think that I'd like one club that I could follow and that I know that everyone else around is going to get that community feel and, you know, we're all one together. I, this is not Manchester, it's not Liverpool, it's not London. I just, I, I don't, I don't think there's a need for a second one. I think it's interesting that you brought up the, the Cork City and Cove Ramblers team because of that, because Cork City obviously operates out of the city with Cove operates out of Cove. Where if we're going to have Limerick and Treaty, they're both going to be operating out of the same catchment area. Yeah. It just gets messy, doesn't it? Like, we talked about the issues that Marketsfield has had um, crumbling down throughout the, the, the playoffs last year. So if they were to ground share, which you'd imagine would be in Marketsfield, it wouldn't even be able to hold up. And even the Munster scene now, and this isn't a bad, this um, this isn't a knock, this is a really, really good positive, but it's packed now at the moment, the League of Ireland. So they're really fighting for talent with Cork, Cove, Waterford, Kerry, yeah. Treaty. So like, and again, this that's not a complaint. That's a brilliant thing to have. I think if you are a Limerick FC and you're making waves in the the, the underage national leagues, maybe linking up and becoming a feeder club to treat United would, would be the best way to go about it. Um, I think the fan base, you'd assume, like fan base that's for Limerick FC have now all converted over to treaty. It just yeah. makes sense. It's um, even though it's different by name, it's still it's it's, it's the Limerick club, the Limerick senior yeah. league of Ireland club. So it makes sense there. I just think it get really messy. I think for Limerick FC's future, the best way to go about it would be a feeder club providing um the younger talent into the ranks of treaty United. Yeah, I mean, who are we to tell a club or people that their club can't come back into the League of Ireland? Or, oh, of course, yeah. Listen, go for it if that's what you think. But I suppose our opinion, and it's both of our opinions, and I'd be interested to hear what other people think, uh, is that I think it makes more sense for the club to be a successful club if they make sure that there's one club in that town and that they're all behind it and all united. Okay, uh, Listen, Liverpool are trying to sneak into the League of Ireland. They're coming in through <laughs> Shelbourne. Hey, Limerick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming in through Shelbourne, but not only Shelbourne, they've been with uh, Bowes and Shamrock Rovers. What's this been all about? It's not just this year. Yeah, no, this is uh, really good to see, wasn't it? Uh, I, I foresee now that it was a, a partnership between, uh, what I seen was a partnership between Shelbourne and Liverpool. I mean, mine was like, that is an unreal, like strategic partnership to get uh, yeah. for Shelbourne. But um, no, it's more so on um, it's it's a charitable partnership. So yeah. the, the LFC Foundation is the official charity partner of Liverpool Football Club, and due to a donation by in by a family in a nominous family, uh, the charity has partnered with Shelbourne Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers. Um, so what this means is that the part fund a member of staff for each club to deliver the community programs in partnership with the uh, at the LFC Foundation. Uh, the support with program development, uh, things like regular visits to ensure and monitor the growth of um, our programs within the communities of the three clubs. Um, but as you said, this isn't something that's just took off now, Roy. It's something that uh, started last summer. Uh, the, the LFC Foundation took a team of 300 
uh, to work with young people involved with the three clubs, Shells, Bowers and Shamrock Rovers. So, yeah, just just to clarify, no strategic partnership. We're going to see no Liverpool, young Liverpool players coming on loan, unfortunately, I'm sure, for the, the supporters of G's, these three clubs. Um, it's completely just down to the uh, the charity uh, charity foundation. Obviously, massive credit to uh, to, to the anonymous family that have made this really generous yeah, donation. Yeah. There's probably not much more to really say. There's not really much of an opinion to have on it. Um, it's interesting though it is, that they've they've come across to Dublin to 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 spread that around. You know, it's. Um, there's always a there's always a motive somewhere, Nathan. I I I just I feel uncomfortable that I, it's it's just generosity. <laughs> that, that tinfoil hat hasn't fallen off over the preseason, no. anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but listen, I think with Liverpool um, and Dublin, uh, there's always been that kind of a connection, anyhow, yeah. one way or the other, you know. So um, maybe it is. Maybe I'm just a bit cynical about you know people doing something for, for nothing. Nice for a change. <laughs> uh, but good to see, really, really yeah. good to see, you know, it's, it's great. And uh, the more things like that, it, it, again, it it's, uh, highlights the League of Ireland and the highlights those clubs and it's it's just beneficial in every way. So uh, yeah. not, a, not a bad thing to be said, uh, even though I, I do have question marks over my head all the time, but that's maybe just me. Okay, uh, thanks. Question, Nathan. Yeah, it's back. It has made its return. Um, keep it coming because the well is very dry. So get the fans' questions. If you want to keep it for 2023, get them in. Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan, uh, any sort of social media. Roy, do you want to give the good people the, uh, the big kickoff email address? Because after four years, I still don't know it. Okay, it's a big kickoff, 96.4 at gmail.com. And of course, you can send us on, uh, well, messages anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok even now. We're on TikTok yeah, now. Yeah, we're the dragon. way in there, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we're on LinkedIn again, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can get us anywhere. There are no excuses. And if you, if you find our ugly mugs anywhere on social media, you can contact us too. Yeah, we're fairly approachable people. But there's no excuses from this guy because Kevin Sheridan is back. The man that probably saved. Good man, Kev. Really appreciate it, mate. Um, Never met Kev, but when I do, we owe that man a few points, Roy, because he (laughs) has helped us out with a few questions over the years. Um, So Kev's question is, should Cork City be looking to do more than just avoid the drop in 2023? Yeah, it's... uh, it's yeah, should be more ambition, I suppose, than just avoiding relegation if you're Cork City. Well, there should always be more ambition. I think you should always be looking to win the league uh, because you're starting off, you just, you know, everyone's on 11 pegging. Uh, you soon figure out that you're, you're probably not going to win the league, but your ambition has to be to win each game that's in front of you. So at the start of the season, that's what your ambition is. After a while, yeah, I think they'll settle down and I think they would be happily happily content with a mid-table finish uh, I listen if I was to be realistic for them you know there's a couple of clubs that are in there a while uh, UCD you think you think might struggle um, but uh, because they always just get picked off don't they player here player there and it just does them a little bit of damage uh, especially have, in, this, even in this, yeah, this, even in this window well, okay yeah. so you, you're kind of thinking that they'll struggle a little bit now this year Um and yeah, the likes of Drogheda, what can Drogheda do? Um, yeah, I listen. If I was a, if I was a betting man, I'd say to be finishing just above the playoff position. 
Well, if you're a betting man, Roy, it's sick of your money on it because I just had a look at the odds before we came on and um, they're 66 to 1 to win uh, the league that has them in eighth position. So, okay. if you, if, yeah, the, so the bookmaker has them to finish in eighth. So, should have been a bookie. Should have. What do you think, Nathan? Um, yeah, I agree in your um, assessment of, I think UCD are in trouble. I, I think they'd be the one that'll really be skating off that that automatic drop position. Just as we said, like you no know, losing the likes of Evan Caffrey, uh, Sean Brennan, those those others. Uh, top of my head, I can't. We do apologise, but they they they've lost two or Tommy Lonman. This the other one came back to Pats. Um, there's two or three lads that really did keep them up uh, last year, and they've lost a little bit of quality. I think they'll be in trouble. I think Drotter will be in in trouble as well. Uh, I'll actually have an article going up uh, on Drotter. Finally, Roy, this article I've been handing me neck like an albatross. It's going to be the greatest article ever. It's about five <laughs> weeks in the making. It's, yeah, literally is. Five, a paragraph per week. Um, so, yeah, we'll go, we'll go into a bit more detail on that. So, if you're interested, check it out on thebigkickup.com. But just there's been no secret that they've been seeking um, financial investment and that has that still hasn't come. So, they're coming into another... Premier Division season as only one of the two um, part-time sides, which is going to be a struggle. I just think if you look at Cork City, you know, did, did we signed um, looks like Barry Coffey, Ali Gilchrist, uh, King Coleman, Aaron Bulger, players that were really vital to them um, winning the fourth division last year. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be talk of the step up from the fourth division to Premier Division. Can, can they do that? Um, I think the goalkeeper issue for them will be interesting, Roy, uh, coming up this year. I think David Harrington, number one last year, has gone to Fleetwards, um, DeLon Standen, Mark Montnulty, uh retired. Jimmy Corkin is still there. He's there till 2023. He's a good young prospect. Uh, you've got a guy in, uh, Toby uh, Alawemi, on loan from Celtic. He's only 19, uh, underage English English goalkeeper. So you'd imagine he could be the number one, so between him yeah. and Corkin. But two young somewhat inexperienced uh goalkeepers coming into their fourth season back in the premier division but um yeah i think in terms of the automatic automatic relegation they'll definitely be clear with that but during their bills the playoffs i think like I said the, the bookmakers had to finish eight i think they could be a little bit more ambitious and look for maybe another place or two above that yeah, six yeah. i think there's yeah. enough quality in there I think they'd, be, not, I think they'd be happy with that if they got that, Nathan. I don't I, think anyone's being over-optimistic uh, about no. their, uh, how they're going to finish. Um, listen, we've had uh, we've had the fans' question. We've had uh, comments, because you were talking about, uh, nearly in a preview kind of way there, about what was going to happen. Um, we've had a couple of, uh, a few comments on a YouTube channel on uh, a couple of the videos. So I just want to say thanks to Jacob and John, who uh, were straight in there, uh, as they always do. I and mean, we appreciate you uh, two listening. And there's plenty out there who do listen in uh, as well that are uh, maybe a little bit quieter. So we'd love for you to throw stuff up on social social media we'd love st- for you to throw up comments or thoughts or anything at all uh, we're happily to happy to uh, interact with you and uh, you know throw throw questions out there you know debate a few things and maybe throw some of your questions onto the show so uh, listen I appreciate everyone who has uh, who has subscribed on the channel and uh, don't forget to follow the podcast because that's uh, that's the, the main part of this the podcast and the YouTube channel if you can do that and if you're even a TikToker Go ahead. <laughs> okay, Nathan, we're going to leave that there. Listen, thanks very much as always. Thanks to you for listening. Uh, as I said, uh, 
you're so invaluable invaluable to us we really appreciate you uh, listening we, we do it for you and for the league and and it's really something that we're all passionate about so uh, stick with us and uh, don't forget to spread the word talk to you next week <laughs>